chapter 12. I suppose he can play that piano a little bit, huh? We need to be in prayer. I was just handed a note here for Misty Hill. She's in the hospital, a mother of one of our bus kids. And uh, so we need to be in prayer for Misty. We'll try to remember to pray for her here in just a moment. Hebrews chapter number 12. Let's all stand to our feet if we could please in honor of the word of God here this evening. And let's begin reading in verse number 25. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made that are those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Amen. Let us have grace. Amen. Whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Amen. For our God is a consuming fire. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this evening. Do the work that only you can do. Lord, I know who I am, I know what I need, and I need your power. I beg you please that you'd pour out your Spirit upon your people, and that you would fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Guide and direct throughout the service, Lord, please. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name, and amen. You can be seated. Now, we need to be within the context of the Scripture when the Scriptures are preached. And so, before I get into our text verse in verse number 28, I want to describe the context of what you just read. Best I can understand from my, underst uh, from my understanding of this portion of the book of Hebrews is that God is speaking of the children of Israel when they refused His voice at Mount Horeb when He spoke to Moses there. And they were in fear of what he was saying and of his presence. Now, we understand that the book of Hebrews is written to, this is rocket science here, the Hebrews, oh Jewish people, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Paul. And so these are God's chosen people, the Jewish people that are being spoken to. Now, some of them have believed. Paul being a Jewish Roman who believed in Jesus Christ himself, he said in the book of Romans that he had a desire for all of the Jews to be saved and that, uh, that he would give of himself for that end. And so he had a great desire for his people to be saved. And I, I want to say, and I've said this before, but I want to repeat it again, God is not done with his people. And this idea that the church has replaced God's people 
in His economy is wrong. Uh, God's people still exist in His world, and they have not been rejected for us. No, they did not believe in the Son of God as the Son of God. And so they have rejected Him. And because of that, He sent the Gospel to the Gentiles. But according to the book of Romans, they are only apart from Him because they have not believed. But if they would believe, then they would be grafted in because would it not be easier for His own people to be grafted into their own branch and into their own tree than for us who are wild uh, branches to be grafted into that same tree. So, in other words, if they get saved, if God's people, the Jewish people, if they get saved, if they believe on Jesus Christ, uh, then they can be saved and grafted back in. God is not done with His people. Is everybody okay? Now, in the book of Hebrews here, we see that the Lord describes to us some things that are happening where He is communicating with His chosen people, those children of Israel. Now, we have been grafted in by our belief in Jesus Christ into the family of God, and by our faith, then, we, just like Abraham, who believed in God and it was imputed unto him as righteousness, because we have believed the same way that he believed, then we are also blessed by his seed, and we get to be grafted into the family of God. Amen? So this is also written to us. It is written to God's people, His chosen people, the children of Israel, but it is also written to us because we become Abraham's seed when we put our faith in Jesus Christ to save us. Now then, that being said, there are some things that are being said that are specific to them. When you get to verse number 25, the Bible says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Now God spoke on earth at Mount Horeb. And when God spoke on earth at Mount Horeb, the children of Israel said they were afraid of him and asked that God no longer speak to them, but that they would have Moses as their go-between. So they said, they said, Moses, it scares us, the presence of God on that mountain, and the shaking and the voice that we hear scares us. We don't want to hear from God. Have Him speak to you and you speak to us. They would not hear His voice. And when He spake to His people on this earth at Mount Horeb, they refused His voice. Now the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter number 5, uh, as Moses is preaching to them, Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. Or excuse me, they're speaking to Moses. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh should have heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it. So that's the portion of Scripture where the Lord gives us the account of the time when they refused His word. When they told Moses, we want you to go to the mountain and we want you to listen to him and we want you to be our go-between. Now look backwards just a little bit at verse number 20 of Hebrews chapter number 12 and I believe you'll see this. For they could not endure that which was commanded and, it so, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. He says this is different. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that was on the earth. You were afraid. Even Moses feared and trembled but he drew nigh unto God. They would not do so. 
And so now we see, he says, look, but you are not approaching unto Mount Horeb as in the old days when your fathers refused to hear his voice. He says, now listen, those of you that have believed in the Son of God, do not refuse the voice of your Father who speaks from heaven now through his Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Look at it again in verse number 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Do you see that? So God is in heaven now. He does not dwell among men. He is not in his temple. He is in the temple on high. He dwells among us by his Holy Spirit. He speaks from heaven. His Holy Spirit speaks to us. Amen? Verse number 26. Whose voice then shook the earth. Mount Horeb was shaken. It was burnt. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word ye yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, here's what he just said. He said, In those days his voice shook the earth. But in the last days his voice and his voice declaring destruction upon the earth will cause the earth to burn like a fervent heat. And all the things that have been made, physically speaking, will not remain. They will be gone. They will burn up so that the things which are eternal may remain. The, the things which come down from God above may remain. We understand that God's judgment is coming and that one of these days this earth will burn up with a fervent heat. Now remember verse number 29, for our God is a what? Consuming fire. Are you with me? Okay, that's the general context of the passage. But then, he speaks in verse number 28. And he says, wherefore, we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Something has happened within the Christian ranks in America. These two phrases, I believe, reveal an error in modern thinking. One of the reasons I believe that there are less people surrendering to serve God is because our people no longer fear and revere the Lord as we should. If you fear Him and revere Him above all others and above all else, it would be a privilege. It would be a whole lot of grace shown to be allowed to serve Him. If we truly revered Him, the way that He deserves to be revered. If we truly saw Him high and lifted up, the way that He deserves to be high and lifted up. You see, I'm afraid that we have devalued God so much in society that our young people now do not believe that serving Him is the greatest thing that they can do with their life. That actually now what they believe is the greatest thing they can do with their life is to make money because money has been exalted and jobs have been exalted and God has been rejected and His house has been rejected so that we can go to, go to work on Sundays instead of going to church. 
And our young people are growing up with this idea where God has been brought down to man's level and made to look like as if He is one of us by these skinny jean-wearing preachers that bring the world into their ministries and try to bring down God to a level that we can understand instead of trying to exalt our understanding and our behavior to a level that He wants us to live to. And so God is no longer high and lifted up. He is lowly. Now, He is meek and lowly in heart, but can I explain something to you? And In comparison with mankind, He is holy and unapproachable because we are undone and He is holy. Because He is lovely and we are unlovely. Because He is good and we are sinners. Because He is worthy and we are unworthy. And before His throne no man shall stand. And no man in our sinful state can look upon His face. And so when we see God for who He really is and we understand that to be called to serve that Messiah, that Savior, that God is the highest calling that there is. And I'm not talking about being called to preach. I'm not talking about being called to the mission field. And that's not exactly what Paul is talking about either. He's not talking to people that are being called to preach and being called to the mission field. He's talking to all of God's people. And can I just say something to you? That the God of heaven would stoop low enough to save this man from my sins and give me a chance to enter into heaven. It's enough for me to give him my entire life. And I want to tell you something tonight. He's worth a lot more than money. He's worth a lot more than any job you can you can live for. He's worth a lot more than any career you can give your life to. That he is worthy to serve. And we ought to serve him because we revere him. Because He's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Because He's the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Because He's the greatest thing that ever was and ever will be. And that if I'm going to live, I ought to live for Him. We ought to serve Him in reverence. Not out of duty. Not because we have to. But because I'm not worthy and for some reason He's shown me the grace to allow me to serve Him. Why would this sinner be allowed to serve a holy and a mighty God I'll never understand? And I didn't always look at Him that way. There was a time when I had my own desires and my own ambitions and I'm here to tell you that God may want you to be a millionaire because Lord knows we need Him in our churches. There's nothing wrong with you being a millionaire and being a doctor and being a lawyer and being a surgeon, being a mechanic, being a farmer. There's nothing wrong with you doing that. I'm not saying that God is calling everybody to serve Him full time in the ministry. I'm saying that every one of us have a responsibility every day of our lives to live for God because He's awesome and we revere Him. Because He's worthy and He's high and lifted up. Because every church member in these pews and every person sitting here under the sound of my voice, if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, ought to see God as being worthy of being served. That we may serve Him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Our young people have been brought up to believe that the most important thing in this world is to be a sports star, an entertainer, to be a singer. And they've been exposed to so much of the world that they believe it. And our kids are bowing down at the altar of fame. 
trying to become something on social media, trying to be an influencer. And that's not what God called you to do. When he saved you, if you've been saved, he didn't have to seek you out. He didn't have to call upon you. The only thing that any of us deserved was to fall straight into the pits of hell. And somehow, he was good enough and gracious enough save you and if you revere him enough if he's a big enough thing to you there won't be anything more important to do with your life than to serve him with reverence what does it mean to revere to revere the Lord means to stand before him with our eyes cast down with a sense of shame and honor and great respect and awe. To revere God means to respect him so greatly to stand in awe of him that he could wipe any one of us out in an instant for our sin but he does it by his grace and by his mercy and by his goodness and I owe him my life I owe him my life and so do you hey Christian sitting here tonight listen, listen to this preacher please God is worthy of your life. He's worthy of your service. He's worthy of everything you can give Him. He's worthy of every minute, every dollar, every breath. He's worthy. He is so worthy. I want you to look at it again. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I'm going to say, and I'm almost done tonight, that not only should we serve Him out of reverence, but when we serve Him, we should do so with the kind of fear that is expressed in the scriptures that God's people ought to have towards him. Do you understand that God is still the judge of the earth? And that if we get out of his will, that he chastens and chastises? And you know what? We ought to serve him out of fear every now and then. That Lord... I don't want to get out of your will because I don't want to have to deal with your judgment. God loves you, yes. But he's also still a righteous judge. 
And if you get out of the will of God and you're one of His children, you won't get away with it. And that ought to scare you just a little. It ought to scare you to be out of church. It ought to scare you to go to those places. It ought to scare you to watch that stuff. It ought, it ought to scare you a little bit. Because if you're one of His children, something's going to happen. Now, He'll be merciful. And every now and then we'll get away with stuff that we shouldn't get away with, but because He's merciful, we do. But see, don't fall asleep on Him because He's let you get away with it every now and then. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now listen, I think he'll let you get away with some things out of his grace and mercy until you get to a point where it starts to look bad on his name. His name will not be mocked by your lifestyle. And if people know that you're a Christian and you leave, you graduate high school, which is a good thing, and you have a chance now to go out and serve Him in reverence. You ought to fear Him too a little bit because, you know, here's what happens. You get out there where you start making some of your own decisions and now you've got a chance to kind of become your own person. And everybody has to make, through, make, make that transition in life and, and make it through that transitional stage. But if people know you're a Christian and you go out into the world and start living in a way that is contrary to his word and his will. And even the word, my, my dad used to say, you want to know how a Christian ought to live, just ask a lost person. And they'll tell you. Lost people know, generally speaking, what's right and what's wrong and what a Christian ought to be. And you go out into that world and you start living against God. There will come a point where if people know you're one of His, He's not going to let His name get mocked by your behavior. No, they're a Christian and they do this and they do that. And, mm -hmm. If you're truly a Christian, the lost world might have consequences for some of their sin, but not like you will. He won't allow you to go out there and live against Him and mock his name in front of a lost world. That ought to scare you just a little bit. Just enough to stay right with him. And when you do sin, fall upon your face before God and say, Oh God, forgive me for my sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Aren't you glad about that? Well, you see, the Lord tells us that we're supposed to serve him. And he says, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably in a way that is pleasing and honoring to him with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Christian, do you revere him? How high and lifted up is he in your mind? Let me tell you something. There's no greater call. And there's no greater purpose than to serve the God of heaven. And you know what? You can be a doctor and a lawyer and a mechanic and a farmer and you can be all those things and still be faithful to God and be a servant of His. Or you can make those things your God 
and you can forget how good He is. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please do a work this evening that only you can do. I pray that you would instill in the hearts of our young people and in the hearts of those that are older a true understanding of who you are and how great you are. And Lord, I pray that you would instill a godly fear the hearts and minds of each and every person here. Lord, help us, please, to serve you with reverence and godly fear. Heads bowed and eyes closed.